job, Marcus. Isn't that great? When, didn't they do a great job on that song? Give them a hand. I mean, that was amazing. I love that song. Here comes heaven. I was videotaping it back there. It's already on my Instagram. So it's very nice. If you're new with us, you have an outline in your little packet that you got when you came in, so you can pull that out. Those of you who are, you know, regulars around here, you know how to do all that with the digitals and everything, New Baker Church and all that. Uh, we are in this series called Christmas Adventure, and this weekend is all about love, as the Advent moment was, and some of the lyrics in the songs was all about that, kind of revolving around the idea of love, and that's what we get to talk about today. Oh, by the way, we'll also be in 1 John. So if you go in your Bibles to 1 John chapter 4, and if you don't have a Bible, if you go out to the blue tent right after the worship experience is over, you can get one. They'll give one to you for free, but we encourage you to bring it. Most people use digital devices, but uh, last night, by the way, I was showing a bunch of people, because I haven't done this for a while, version, Y-O-U-V-E-R-S-I-O-N, version. It's a great app. It's totally free. It's an incredible uh, biblical tool for you uh, that's just powerful beyond uh, description, really, quite honestly. But about love and about Christmas and about First John and what he's writing about, and I'll get into that in a minute, but... I remember my very first Christmas uh, as a Christ follower. I was in Okinawa. I was deployed. I was in the Army. This is 1973. I know. Okay, go ahead. How many of you weren't born in 73? Raise your hands. All right, all right. Yeah. Most of you. Anyway, uh, but I remember it because I had just become a Christ follower. And I was, like I said, I was deployed. And I was all by myself. And I was really lonely. And I was lonely for a lot of reasons. Many of my friends went home for the holidays, and they had families in America and stuff like that, and so they went there for Christmas. My family was pretty messy, so that wouldn't have really been attractive to me anyway. Uh, and so I, you know, offered to kind of stay behind and, and pull duty and that kind of stuff. But I, I was lonely because I was a brand-new Christ follower, and I really was having a hard time wrapping my mind around the love of God. I just didn't, that was one of the most difficult things for me to grasp. It still is oftentimes in my life because the way my life kind of has unfolded, my family of origins issues and so forth, and it played into my insecurities and all the, all the uh, you know, am I good enough thoughts. A lot of you can relate with that. You have a lot of these am I good enough acts fill in the blank. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Right? Am I good enough at being a dad? I uh, wasn't a husband yet. Um, you know, my career path, you know, am I good enough man? Am I good enough son? And all the different roles we play in our lives. And I, I just had a really, really hard time with it. And I was not really, I mean, I had become a Christ follower in the context of this church in Okinawa, but the church wasn't set up like ours. There really weren't life groups, which is why I want you in a life group. Because in a life group, you're going to, actually love people and they're going to love you and it's organic it's not it's not um it's not sort of uh force if you will it's not like a, you're in a you're a task of somebody to love you or something like that it sort of it sort of happens organically in life groups in life groups we say that you're going to love and be loved and you're going to serve and be served and and you're going to celebrate and be celebrated they're just natural things that happen in a life group that don't happen in this room. This room isn't set up for that. Uh, in fact, it can be kind of counterproductive. In fact, this room can kind of corrupt you if you're not careful. 
If, if you're not careful, you will confuse this worship experience for the most vital type of church organism that there is, and that is the small group. That is the life group. Because it's in that context that you'll actually come to terms with who you are as a man or a woman and what it means to be a man or a woman of faith and how to journey with God. And you'll, you'll, you'll kind of have a better shot if you will. And I didn't have this yet. Okay? I was a baby Christian. And so I, I was having a hard time with how is it that I could be captivated by Jesus' love at Christmas. Because I was, like I said, I was all by myself uh, in Okinawa. And you know, I, I went to church maybe once over the holidays. I don't even think we had Christmas Eve services. And so that was kind of wonky. Um, and, and so, you know, I just kind of went through Christmas, you know, and, and I just had a hard time with it. I, I really did. And that really is a part of what John's going to do. Go with me in your Bibles now to First John chapter 4. It's a part of what John's kind of getting at in his, his letter. Now this, I need, we're going to kind of airdrop into First John, which is no small task for me, because I like to teach you how to study the Bible, not just give, I like to teach you how to fish, not just give you a fish, okay? So you're, you're going to just airdrop into time and space in 1 John. Now, who wrote 1 John? Very good. John. Uh, what else did he write? The gospel, okay. The gospel of John. Uh, what else? Revelation. Later on in life, he's in exile on the island of Patmos, where he writes the revelation. He gets the revelation of God. Uh, but he, and then he writes 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. Now, this letter is a letter that's written to a bunch of life groups. We call them life groups. In the ancient world, they would call them house churches or whatever. Uh, the early church really knew nothing of this large of a Christian gathering. I mean, other than in the temple courts uh, in uh, early, uh, in early uh, you know, Judaistic history, first century. Remember, the temple's torn down in AD 70, so we are after that. We're in AD 85 to 90. John's old at this point. He's old, older than me. He's like really old. And he's in Ephesus. He becomes an elder. He's an elder, of course, and just by function. But, I mean, he, he's one of the elders in Ephesus, the church in Ephesus. And the churches in Asia Minor have had this false teaching go through the house churches. Uh, and this is why house churches that don't have good oversight tend to be super wonky. For example, I got saved in the Jesus People movement. And in the Jesus People movement, there were a, house churches took off like a rocket. And it became very, very messy because of a lack of organizational oversight and theological and biblical oversight. And so there were a lot of abuses that happened in those eras. Same thing in this era. This is 8590 AD. And what's happening is philosophy, which always is the issue, the philosophy of the day was encroaching into the church and causing all kinds of unbelief and doubt and panic and not experiencing the love of God. And the philosophy, it starts out with simple Platonic philosophy from Greek, from Greece, right? And the Hellenization, Alexander the Great sweeps the world. And, and Plato's philosophy sweeps the world. And one of the fundamental ideas of Plato's philosophy was that matter is evil. Everybody touch yourself. Pinch, pinch yourself. Harder. So matter is evil, your body is evil, spirit is good. This is not a biblical idea. This is a philosophical idea. Now, as this evolves in philosophy and history, up until the time we are in 85, 90 AD, there are a couple of streams, probably three streams of this that has become very confusing in the church. 
Uh, one of them is Gnostic, Gnosticism, uh, the other is Docetism, and a bunch of different things. And, but what's happening is in the house churches, people are kind of freaking out because one of the fundamental problems that began to happen was how is it that I, as a physical being, am in any way good, and how is it that I can know God through spirit? And if matter is evil, how can God... Okay, Christmas. Christmas. How can God have incarnated himself into flesh if flesh is evil? So this led to all kinds of problems with regard to the deity of Jesus, the incarnation, what we celebrate at Christmas. This, this came to have a whole bunch of implications as to how one is saved, how one experiences God. It, it had ramifications all throughout the church. And it, it became a bigger problem, not just the churches in Asia Minor. It became a larger problem, which led to all the Christological debates that ultimately come in the 3rd century and 4th century and so forth. So this became a giant issue. So it's there in seedling form. And John's writing about it. And, and so we're going to airdrop right into chapter 4, which is, by the way, when I became a Christ follower, this was a seriously popular song. Look at verse 7. Now, we sang it. <coughs> we sang it. Beloved, let us love one another. Love one another. The lovers of God. Anybody know this song? Raise your hand if you know this song. Okay, you're either old or you've been a part of an older kind of church or whatever where they sang this song. It was like a hippie song. We sang this song when we were hippies. Jesus people. <laughs> Remember, Jesus people were just hippies who got saved, basically. That's what happened in America. It was very famous. Study church history. We were the bomb. Anyway, so, so John, John, he says, beloved, which, by the way, that's the King James translation uh, in your NIV. It says, dear, uh, what is it, dear friend. Um, but it's translating this love language that is the way we view each other, especially in life groups, okay? That's why my goal for you is to be in a life group. Uh, and even on the weekends when you come to church, try to build margin into your experience so you're not in such a hurry. Like, get here earlier. I know when you have kids, it's tough. But, you know, get here earlier and meet people around and then try to hang out afterwards and meet people around. Uh, get involved in serving and whatever, like be the church, don't just go to church. I, if you're new, I say that a lot of times. You need to stop just going to church and start being the church. Anyway, uh, beloved, let us love one another, for love comes from God, and everyone who loves has been born of God, has been born of God. Jesus uses that language in whose gospel? John's gospel. He talks about being born what? Again, okay, being born again. Thought I'd throw that out there. Anyway, and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. One of the more famous verses in the Bible, because God is love. Verse 9, this is how God showed his love, love among us. How did he show his love among us? He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. Now, that's very, very important in the context 
we kind of fly over it because we don't understand the context. I'm just saying in this context, John is saying Jesus is the incarnation of God, the Son, in the flesh on the earth. Okay? Uh, he, this is how he showed his love us. He sent his one and only Son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Listen now, this is super important in terms of chronology, sequence. We'll talk about it in a minute. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us, and here it is again, and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sin, which is another thing that was in question in the Gnostics and in the philosophy that had crept into the church. They were calling into question the atonement because logic, right? Think logic. If, if matter is evil, Spirit is good. How is it that God became matter? How is it that became man? And how is it that that was then an atoning sacrifice for the sins of the world? Was the atonement even a reality? Now, by the way, if, if you have your Bibles, turn to John chapter 1, I just, uh, 1 John chapter 1. I just want to read a little bit of the beginning of the letter to kind of put in place what John is doing. He's, he's making, if you will, an authoritative apostolic power move. Because remember, we're in 85 or 90 B.C., most Christians who knew Jesus are dead, but not John. Remember, he's old. Okay, so look at, look at the opening. Look at verse 2. The life appeared, meaning incarnation. The life appeared, and we have seen it and testify to it. He's, he's, calling, he's, calling about, he's talking about, uh, you know, first witness priority. He's talking about visible testimony, his own eyes. We have seen it, and we testify to it, and we proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father, you know, Jesus in heaven, and has now appeared to us, incarnation, Christmas. Get it? He was in heaven, and then he says, we proclaim to you that we have seen and heard so that you may also have fellowship with us. And you know us, John's saying. You know us. We were there. We saw the miracle. We saw the blind man see. We saw the fish multiplied. We saw Jesus calm the storm. That's what he's doing here in 1 John. And he's talking about this radical love that is not in any way wrong or uh, bad or evil, that God fully became flesh. And that it's now to us to unreservedly embrace this love for us. This love that we have going for us. This, this experience that we have from God. To embrace it with all that we have and all that we are. And the problem is, is depending on your not bringing it into our relevance of our life, um, I mean, in weird ways that you'd be shocked. I don't have time to get into all, all the implications of Platonic philosophy today, but it still very much exists in different forms and in, in uh, different kinds of New Age theology in America, particularly, but that's another subject for another time. I'm just saying, it, part of the problem here, and this was a big problem when I became a Christ follower, it still is, I still struggle with it, is how stuff gets in the way, my shame, my guilt, uh, the, the, the my... I'm not good enough at whatever at is. All of that can get in the way of embracing God's love for me. This is a deal in my life, and it's a deal in all of our lives all of the time. And it is certainly a deal in our kids, though I think they have a unique handle on it, okay? And we can never forget that in our relationship with God, he's the first mover. 
He goes first. Always. In your life, he's the one who came and found you. He came and found you. When you were really unfindable, but for God. This is how we know. He sent his one and only son. It's like the giant demonstration of it. You think of Romans chapter 5, verse 8. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in this. While we were still unlovable, while we were still sinful, while we were still broken, Christ died for us. He's the first mover, you guys. He always is. He always is. And, and in your struggle with shame, you have, to, you have to see that this isn't about how broken you are. This isn't about how, how unlovable you are. Because guess what? You are. <laughs> On your own, you are. No one acts like this really, truly, purely as God does. He loves us even though we are at the core unlovable. Which goes contrary to all of our kind of thinking and all of, all of our ways. And Jesus is God's greatest gift to me. But it is up to me to let him in, to receive him, to, be re to receive him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son for us as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. See, we receive it. It's like a present, like, it's like a present, right? And I really believe kids have a better grasp of this. I really believe that when we're kids, we kind of get this better, uh, and then we kind of grow out of this love experience, this being captivated by something. I call it kid Go ahead and write that down. Kid dope. This week, I was, I was trying to you know, get my own head wrapped around it. I was trying to help you guys praying about it. How can I get their heads wrapped around it? And I uh, was just going through my Instagram feed, and it was like the Lord told me, hey, clip some of these pictures, because these kids just have their dope stuff. Like this. Like this kid is just captivated, man. He's just in it to win it. I mean, he is all that in a buck 32. And he doesn't care. He's in his diaper. He's, he's got his thing going on, right? Or this one. I love this kid. He is ready. I mean, he is captivated. He's probably going to go out and surf in OB. He's probably uh, just, you know, loving it. He's so excited. The surf's up, and he's just captivated by it. Surfers are like this. Um, like when the swell is. Like right now, the surf is pumping. And... Uh, like you, when when the surf gets pumping, it's like this thing, and you know ahead of time it's coming, and you become kind of captivated by it. That's how the love of God's supposed to work in our life. Or like this one, I love this one. This one reminds me of my kids when they were just beginning to surf, and they're little like that, and they'd get their little head dip, you know, and they just that they thought that was so exciting. And Dad, did you see this? Did you see it? Did you see me get the head dip? I mean, they're just so into it, right? But kids are like this. I think kids sort of have this basic way of embracing uh, even sometimes the realities of Christmas. I know that it can be a bit, you know, present-driven, which is your job, that discipling your kids and how to make it about Jesus. But, but there's just something about, like, Christmas or Easter or whatever that kids just, like, get it, and we kind of get over it. So captivate. Reflection. How are you going to set apart time and, it, and, and I want to encourage you, I want you all to come to one of the services on Christmas Eve because I, I think it puts in place like 
all of Christmas and kind of does this spiritual thing, and it's really cool. It's it's somewhat uh, somewhat traditional the way we do it. It's it's very um like uh, Christmas carolly and reading the scriptures, very family centric. There's a little message, and and the message is really all about Christmas and beginning a relationship with Jesus and all that. But but it's even now like like how are you? Okay, what's today? Sunday, yeah? So Wednesday is Christmas. So like, how are you going to build reflection time about God's love at Christmas? So I, I thought we could do this for a few. I want to take a few minutes and do this right now. Okay, so bow your heads with me. You just sit in his presence. Just be... Take a deep breath in through your nose. Hold it at the top just for a second. And let it out kind of slowly. Relax your shoulders. Let your shoulders drop carefully. Let your your neck become kind of as loose, if you will, as you can. Now take another deep breath through your nose. Hold it at the top. Now let it out. Father, I love the way you made our bodies and our minds that we can do little things like this right here. Just sort of connect our mind and our heart and our body all together. Lord, some of us, when it comes to this question, reflecting on your love for us, there's things in the way. For some of us, it's, uh, it's you know, just to be honest, it's unconfessed sin. Lord, earlier in this letter, John wrote, under the inspiration of your Spirit, chapter 1, he wrote, if I confess my sin, that you are faithful and just and will forgive my sin. And then you say something righteous. You say that you'll cleanse me from all unrighteousness. That's what many of us need to experience right now. Let me just ask you, with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, how many of you just need confession for something right now? Raise your hands up. I just need confession and need to experience it right now. Raise your hands up. Just pray about that. Okay, so many of us. Please put your hands up. So let me lead us in a prayer about that. I don't want that to be in the way. Okay? In fact, pray this with me. Father God, I do openly confess my sin and now want to experience your forgiveness. I don't want to just know it in my head. I want to actually experience it. And so, now according to your word, cleanse me from all unrighteousness. 
pray for us again. Lord, I pray, God, if there is something in the way of us experiencing your love, we just dealt with this whole forgiveness thing. So if there's something else in the way, Stopping me from hearing you. Stopping me from experiencing your love and being embraced by your love, being uh, captivated by your love. I pray that you will speak it into me right now what it is. What is in the way? Let him just speak to you. It could be anything specific to you. It could be sadness. It could be fear, like something you're scared about. Physical, emotional, familial, certainly. Career-wise, maybe. And it could be a fear that's in the way. It could be still this weird way in which shame and guilt works in your life. It could be just a failure. A loss. Now do this with me. Look at my hands. Make your hands into like cups. And I want you to put what the Lord showed you in that cup. In fact, you even visualize it. When I do it, I kind of like, I like, because I'll usually have a word like, let's say it's fear or shame or something. I like literally picture kind of like a cutout of paper of the word in my hand. Okay? I, don't, I don't know what that looks like for you, but just close your eyes again. Put it in there. Now, Lord, we just surrender this to you. Take it out of our way. Thank you so much you love us first. Take it out of our way, Lord, so that we can be captivated by your love. We want to be captivated like the little kids. Lord, we want our Jesus stoke on. <laughs> we want to be captivated. nothing in the way. But we just live a life, God, where you are king and we are not. We live simply to serve you. So now, Lord, we open our hands and we surrender it to you. We give it to you as an offering. We give it to you as an offering. By your grace, we respond in faith. Just lay it at your Now help us to feel your arms wrap around us. Draw us close to your chest. Let us put our ear to your chest and hear your heart. Jesus, you told us over and over and over again in the Gospels, John says, well, to be like your children. Help us be a little bit more childlike. good. Everybody take another deep breath. Hold it at the top. 
him to write it out. So that's like the vertical, okay? Now the horizontal. The more God's love captivates me, the more I can walk in it. The vertical and the horizontal. And John's working on this very specifically, but again, because of his context, because they could get all into this esoteric kind of love thing with God that was kind of jacked up and not really love each other very well. So let's go in our Bibles. Go to the next, next part of the section. And we're going to read all the way through 21. We're going to read 11 through 21. So again, dear friends, this word beloved, verse 11, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. So the inspiration of your love for each other comes from your love of God. And then he says, no one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, Jesus lives in us, lives in us, I'm sorry, God lives in us, and his love is made complete in us. You know how I say, if you come here regularly, you know how I say all the time, we are Jesus with skin on. We are the hands and feet of Jesus on the earth. This is why we live, if we get it, to the degree to which I get it, I live an incarnational life. My neighborhood becomes an incarnational neighborhood. I am the light of the world there. Okay? It's it's because of this, this is the theology behind it. This is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He has given us of his spirit, the NIV translated. It's a little bit complicated. The NLT says that the spirit is the proof of it, and he is the work of it in our lives, which is totally true. Next year, we're going to do a whole series from the book of Acts. But the Spirit, the God the Spirit, God the Holy Spirit, remember, it's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And so the Spirit, his role, his job, if you will, it's multifaceted, but his role is he's the one who actually converts us. He's the one who actually makes us born again. It's the work of the Spirit. But he's the baptizer. You see this in Acts chapter 2, where we experience the baptism of the Spirit. But he's the one who fills us and leads us by his Spirit. You see this all through Acts. You see it in the book of Ephesians. You see it in the book of Galatians. He's the one who gives you the fruit of the Spirit. He's the one who you know, gives you spiritual gifts that you use in ministry. In Romans 12 and 1 Peter and Ephesians 4, he's, he's that one. So he's the proof that God's love is in you. He's, he's, the, he's the evidence, if you will, that, that runs behind it. And then he goes on and he says, he says, and we have seen then and testify that the Father has sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. So on the count of three, I want everybody to say the street they live on. One, two, three. Ready? Santa Monica. You're all speaking in tongues right now. Your street, all right? Um, anyway, he's the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledge, if anyone, if anyone, Remember last weekend we talked about Kanye West and how we tend to throw people under the bus. We've had a really rough go of it, how amazing his God story is right now and the whole thing. Anyway, if anyone acknowledges, anyone in Asia Minor in their context, anyone in San Diego in ours, whatever, if anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God comes to live in them and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is 
love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence in the day of judgment. Now he's flipping into an idea about judgment and, the, and believers, it, again, this gets a little bit technical, believers do not go through a judgment to hell or heaven. They go through a judgment as to reward for what they've done in this life with the Spirit, with their faith, what, what you have done in your life. You're blessed, and somehow your experience in heaven is going to be tied theologically and existentially and really to your experience of heaven. Another subject for another time? Google it. Really fun study. Anyway, but, but they, because of the way they were working it with this whole philosophy, they were starting to get fear in their lives about judgment. Okay? So look at what he says. If it, uh, 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 oh, uh, where am I? Uh, Verse 18, 18. Here we go. There is no fear in love, but perfect fear, uh, perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears, here it is, is not made perfect in love. Remember, your life in your life spiritually, it's organic. The best way to see it is it's organic. It's not linear. It's organic. It's like a garden. And remember, the weeds always grow. You always have to tend to the weeds. You always have to tend to the bugs. Weird, isn't it? Where did they even come from? Anyway. Um, oh, so we love because he first loved us. Whoever claims to love God yet hates, he's contrasting now, uh, belittles, berates. This is why bigotry has no part of the kingdom of God. This is why um, mistreatment of the poor has no part in the kingdom of God. This is why we do what we do through kingdom builders, all of that. Yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother or sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and their sister. So love. Again, we get so complicated. So I thought I'd get some amazing theologians to describe love for us. They're between the ages of six and eight. Okay, Like this one. I love, I love this, this uh, quote. Love is when mommy sees daddy on the toilet and she doesn't think it's love. From a six-year-old. Or this one. Love is when a girl puts on perfume and a boy puts on cologne and they go out and smell each other. <laughs> Carl, age five. Or this one. When my grandmother got arthritis, she couldn't bend over and paint her toenails anymore. So my grandpa does it for her all the time. Even when, it's in, when his hands got arthritis, that's love. That's Rebecca, age eight. Love. What does it mean to love in your life group? What does it mean to love in church? What's it mean to love on your street? What's it mean to love? It's simple. It's plain. It's not esoteric. It's not too hard. It's, it's accessible. It's, it's doable. And God completes his love through me. This is such an amazing idea. This gives your life purpose especially when your life is going to hell in a handbasket, which some of you, that is your life. I just described your life. This is super powerful for you. God's love's made complete through you. Oh, but Pastor Mike, you have no idea how jacked up my life is. You're right. I don't. Who does? God does. And he loves you anyway, and he wants to use you anyway. 
And it's a wonderful idea. I mean, it's a trippy idea. And this is why wherever you go can become a holy place. If you let it, if you, if you let it become, if you see that this is what the deal is. Like, uh, like last week, it was so precious. This is a picture of, uh, okay, so we support an organization called STARS, which is uh, rescuing uh, young women out of human trafficking locally in San Diego. And many women in our church are involved in it. Men can't be involved in it. Although Marcus is in there. He's helping wrap presents. Uh, he's in the back. But, but there's just a group of women. And, and we were, uh, that was what you guys did when you took your cameras out on the tree that was out there. And you put your camera on the QR code. And, it, and then you bought presents that the girls wanted. That's what this is. 93 presents were bought. And you bought them. And then you, you loved them. Get it? That's what love is. Super simple. It's not complicated. The gifts were, I don't know, eight to fifty bucks or something like that. By the way, V, the lady on the left, she's our pastor of life groups on this campus. She oversees all our life groups, coaches, and stuff. That day, that night, she got an infection in her uh, kidney. And she got admitted, she went to the ER, she was spiking fever, 104, uh, went to the ER, sharp, they admitted her into the hospital, she was in the hospital for like till yesterday, and got meningitis as a result of it, so if you could be praying for her, um, she's a grandmother and a mom and Christmas, right? But, but I'm just saying, this is what love looks like, this, this is love in action, love, God's love inspires me to love those who are difficult to love. You all have them in your life, people that are difficult to love. Like right now, even as I say it, you're probably thinking of that person and sinning. No, no, no. <laughs> no, you're not. But, <laughs> but this is what love looks like. It, it, it is it's love that's, uh, that's expressive and that moves. And the way you guys love each other is so powerful. This is uh, this wonderful picture of this young guy in our church, Jacob, and he had went through a tough year last year, was not a Christ follower yet. His grandma died, who I knew. I know. His grandma. I know his grandma. Uh, his grandpa Steve Bates, you know Steve. Judy passed away. So I did the memorial service. And, and he was sitting in this very front row. And... Uh, just having a tough time. I don't know how anybody does it without Jesus. I don't. I don't know how it happens. I, I can't imagine my life. And again, if you're here today and that's still you, after we're done, we'll pray and everything, but after we're done, go over to the cross and let people pray for you about your relationship with Jesus. But he was really struggling. And he hung out for quite a while, and Marcus and Eddie kind of talked to him and cared and loved on him. And then, I don't know, it was like, it was like maybe nine, ten months ago his grandma died. And then he began his relationship with Jesus. And his whole life changed. It's not perfect. It's changing. Maybe that's a better way to say it. It's changing. And the cool thing about this picture is he's doing some crazy thing, I don't know, to some student. Because now he's involved in our students' ministry. And he does, he serves now. And he's found his purpose in life. Just in simple ways. 
And that's you. And that's me. Listen, I have this quote, your opinions won't change the world, but your love The love Okay, so everybody, you have the little Christmas ornament thing on your chair, right? Pick it up. Pick it up. So this is what I want you to do. The person who's tough for you to love, write their name down. Let's commit this to Jesus. Now, if you're sitting next to that person, do not write their name on it. Put an X. Draw a picture. Make it nice. Um, Also, if the person is, because what I want you to do is take this home and put it on your tree. Okay? If they're coming over for Christmas, at least do not have it face out. Okay? I wouldn't even put their name on it still, okay? Because people can be curious. They. Kind of common when people come over to your house, they go over and look at your tree. They particularly look at what's hanging on the tree. They comment about the ornament. If there's a gift tag on there, they might look at it. So again, if it's your son, your daughter, grown, whatever, don't do that. But I want this to be like a little object lesson, okay? You all have, you have more than one. Focus. Stand with me. Now, you can put this in your pocket. Put it in your back pocket. Or whatever. I don't know. Some of you don't have back pockets, but put it somewhere. But let's pray over these names. Lord, you love us. We've had a whole morning of experiencing it and seeing it, letting you in. Some of us, Lord, need to go over to that cross and get some more prayer for different things, so help us to do that. But Lord, I pray, God, for a, I pray that you will baptize anew, us anew and afresh in your spirit and that that baptism of love would radiate out to those in our lives that are difficult to love. And then the action that goes with that. I have no idea what that action might be, Lord. It could be writing a letter. It could be making a phone call. It could be buying them something. It could be, it could be, uh, it could be nothing. Like uh, the action would be complicated. It might even be unloving to breach the boundary. So give us wisdom as we carry it out. But Lord, we know that love ultimately does. It's not just a feeling. It 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 does. So help us to do. Help us to do whatever that might be. Help us to do. Thank you, Lord, for your love for us. Thank you for Christmas. Pray especially, Lord, for those who are lonely here. Be with them particularly this Christmas. Bless them. Amen.